Descend, bold traveler, into the crater of the Yukut of Snaifel, which the shadow of Scartaris touches before the Kalends of July, and you will attain the center of the Earth. I did it. Welcome to Museums in Strange Places. I'm your host, Hannah Hethman, and this is a podcast for people who love museums, stories, culture, and exploring the world. In this season of the podcast, I'm visiting the museums of Iceland to discover what stories they hold and how they reflect and shape Iceland's unique cultural identity. Today's episode is sponsored by Locatify. As soon as the character of Professor Lindenbrot deciphers this cryptic message in Jules Verne's journey to the center of the Earth, he sets off north on a crazy mission to descend into the mighty volcano that commands the western edge of Iceland's Snæfellsnes Peninsula. The volcano's lava fields stretch into the cold North Atlantic, and it's crowned by a massive glacier. Together, they are known as Snæfellsjökull. Jules Verne is only one of hundreds of writers, scientists, and artists who have been captivated by the Snæfellsjökull volcano over the last millennium. And in a small, colorful town in the shadow of the mountain, one man's fascination with volcanoes led him to create Eldfjallasafnir, the Volcano Museum, a whole gallery dedicated to the science and art of volcanic eruptions. On a cold but sunny day in April, I drove north from Reykjavik to visit this strange but beautiful little museum. I wanted to understand why Snæfellsjökull has terrified and enchanted so many over the centuries. What I am trying to point out as well in this museum to to realize people like how small we are, you know, we're trying to kind of always point it out, but really, you know, we're supposed to feel humble. And this is one thing which is kind of like scary about the volcanoes here. They are so unpredictable; you never know what's going to happen. So my name is Filip Polak. I'm from Prague, from Czech Republic. Uh, basically, I'm here as a manager of this volcano museum. Uh, work for Harald Sigurdsson, which is the owner of this place. The guy who basically like all put it together. You may be wondering what a young guy from the Czech Republic is doing managing a volcano museum in a small, isolated fishing town in Iceland. Like many foreigners who find their way to this strange little country, myself included, Philip fell in love with the nature and wanted to find a way to stay. I don't know. I think I just came here for like a photography uh, thingy, you know. I used to be a th- photographer, so I came to Iceland and I just kind of fell in love with it. I think it's the same story for all foreigners coming yeah. to Iceland, you know, just like came here, see the nature, see the people, um, just kind of go for it for it all. And damn, I just kind of fall in love with all yeah. of it, you know, so end up here. So as Philip tells it, he just walked into the Volcano Museum and asked for a job. The manager at the time liked him. And more importantly, he was able to get along with the enigmatic founder of the museum, the Icelandic collector and volcanologist Haraldur Sigurdsson. And since I met Haraldur, we kind of fit each other. He's a he's a he's a guy who walks and through the mountains. He loves nature, same as I do. So we got a lot of. I think we got a lot of uh, in common, and um, kind of like uh, can handle each other. He's a 
you know, he's a sometimes pretty grumpy man, but <laughs> uh, but like uh, he's a yeah, he's an inspiration. I you know really like him. So um, I think it's just mutual, you know, and um, that's why I got the job and still I'm here, you know, and I'm enjoying it. And yeah, for me, he's like Indiana Jones in, in volcanoes. Really, he, <laughs> he he just basically travels around the world, um, and um, I think he's as well focusing how the volcanoes, you know, erupted. He's focusing on. Uh, uh, this geological aspect of it, of course, you know, he's a volcanologist. But what I think, which is very interesting and fascinating for me, that he's as well focusing how the people end up, how, how it affects the people underneath. Philip shows me a set of artifacts collected by Haralder from the 1833 eruption of Krakatoa in Indonesia. This enormous eruption was one of the deadliest recorded in human history. It destroyed most of the island, and over 36,000 inhabitants in the area died a third from the lava flow, and the rest from the gas, smoke, and tsunamis caused by the massive disruption. You can see the artifacts, what's left of the people who used to live in the village underneath the volcano. It was 10,000 people killed by a pyroblastic flow, and um, he, he picked it up. He, he found these artifacts, these are the, the last remains of the people there. So um, really for me, he's like, a, he's like this Indiana Jones. You know, uh, uh, it's a fascinating person, really. I'd like to take a quick aside here to tell you about Locatify, who have generously sponsored this episode. Locatify is an Icelandic software company specializing in mobile apps that use location technologies for immersive audio guides, treasure hunt games, augmented reality, and indoor GPS for museums all around the world. Sponsorship helps me pay for the equipment and software I need to make this podcast. So please swing by Locatify's website, locatify.com, to check out their award-winning products and thank them for supporting museums in strange places. When visiting museums in strange places, I always have to ask, why is there a museum here? I think the reason why is it here, because Harald was born in this town. Harald was born here, his family as well. He's got a pretty deep roots in this town, and it's kind of always going to be his home. He lives in the United States about 40 years now. He's a, he's a professor in a Rhode Island University. But I think Sticky's home is always going to be his home, and that's why he wants to live his piece of heart, I would say, in, yeah. in this museum, right? So he's just trying to keep it, you know, still, still here. So I think that's the reason why the museum is here, yeah. Being born in Iceland, being born here, first of all, it's, it's a privilege to be born here in such a beautiful nature. Um, and I think he just found the interest walking through the mountains, thinking about how this was created. And he walked a lot in the mountains. You can see that he he been in nature, and he, you know, people just find this fascinating and philosophy. So I think it just brought him to walk through the snufflessness and um, looking for like different, you know, you can see such weird things in geology. It's, like, it's a weird thing. You know, you can see some like weird stone structures. You kind of think, what is it? And I think he wanted explanation. So that's why he uh, basically got interested in it. And then he, uh, I think, I don't think Iceland had some kind of a university who was really focusing on, on that back then because it was a long time ago, kind of. So I think that's why he went study to study to London, to England. So he went there for a college. 
Now in his late 70s, Haraldur is a respected scientist and a fascinating character. Born in Stikisholmer, Iceland in 1939, he traveled the world researching volcanology, investigating volcanoes and meteorite impact sites in Indonesia, the West Indies, Italy, Greece, West Africa, the U.S., South and Central America, and even explored the ocean floor on occasion. Later in his career, he became interested in the depiction of volcanoes in art, a fascination that turned into an incredible collection of art from Iceland and all over the world. Many artists in this museum, especially because we have most to focus on the art, uh, show us how um, the volcanoes can be beautiful and can be dangerous as well in one kind of a certain point. So, um, at Vitla Sub is basically this connection between science and art. Our, uh, Haraldur is a scientist, uh, uh, sorry, he's a scientist. He's a, he's a, he's a um, geochemist, a vulcanologist, a geologist, a lot of different things. So, um, and, and he loves art and he's got an, an amazing taste for art, to be honest. It's just so good. His house is, is even filled with this artworks, like all around. He's got just amazing taste. And uh, we have come good, good pieces. We have a, we have an original from Andy Warhol, you know. And <laughs> yeah, that's cool. uh, yeah, I and really cool. I, I don't know the, the background of it. I don't know how Haraldo did get, get it. Not sure, but he, he when I asked him, he's just been quiet. He didn't say nothing. He was just like, standing and just like, like being quiet. So I, I, there might be some like good story behind it. But he never told me. It's a shame, but never mind. So we have it. <laughs> we have it here. But I personally think he bought it in eighties. Uh, and then basically since since the 80s, he just got it in the basement or whatever um, uh, in his apartment. And then he basically brought it here in the museum. So this is the first thing which kind of pops up pops a lot um, for people. Very surprised by it. And Hokusai, we have original from Hokusai, Hokushiko Hokusai. Sorry, I can't pronounce the Japanese names. Katsushika Hokusai is a famous Japanese artist who lived from the 1760s to the 1840s. Hokusai's most famous piece, The Great Wave of Kanagawa, was created as part of a series of 36 views of Mount Fuji. The tall, crashing, woodblocked spray of the Great Wave is instantly recognizable today, no matter how little you know about art. But most of the prints in his series focused on Mount Fuji, one of the most iconic and memorable volcanoes in the world, and Hokusai's personal obsession. The 250-year-old original Hokusai that the museum has is one of those depicting Mount Fuji. Like Snæfellsjökull, Mount Fuji has a rounded cone shape with a glacier at its peak. Philip tells me about one of his own personal obsessions, the way volcanoes capture people's imagination and the many theories that seek to explain the peculiarities of certain volcanoes around the world. I mean, look at the R here. I mean, everybody, you know, this is this is what fascinate people such a long time you know this is what affects our history and iceland is like one big volcano you know it's uh it's definitely people must be very like spiritual about this as well you know for example we're not even talking about um how i feel like snuff as you could it's a it's a colonial volcano it's it, it's what that's, they, I, mean, I call it the the um mount fuji of, of, of iceland you know it's a, it's a beautiful colonial shape of volcano it's a stratovolcano and uh People found a lot of different like spiritual stories in it. They thought that this volcano is. Uh, um, they still know. Some people think that this is the seventh chakra. This is the heart chakra of mm. Earth. 
people think that there's a huge magnetic field around this volcano, right? And there's a lot of like a spiritual thing connected to it. There was a guys, two guys from Britain, from England, sorry, um, who thought there is going to be UFO coming in 1991. And they brought, brought up, up there a lot of people. So it was like kind of like a huge action. Nothing obviously happened, but, um, so yeah, there is a lot of, um, spirituality connected to, to volcanoes, to the nature, even though, just it was just a couple of years ago people were scared of them the people are scared of nature you can kind of talk to old people they don't really go to the mountains anymore because there's an Icelandic word for it I, I will look at it later up for you so you can kind of point it out um and this is basically the scared of the wilderness or the fear of the wilderness wow. something like this so and people older people here still kind of have this fear of the wilderness have this yeah. fear because of the volcanoes is very scary not only volcanoes you can find this even in Europe you know yeah. but still you don't really go uh, back then, you didn't really go to the mountains. It was a weird people and weird things happening, and you can't really explain. So, I think it's the the reason why people thought about this because it's this colonial shape. It's the beauty, beautiful shape of the volcano, same as Mount Fuji. You know, it's I think just that we are just brought by our, like our visual thinking that like okay, this looks beautiful. And, you know, it must have some bigger meaning mm. than it, what it is actually is. Maybe it does. I believe to it. You know, I th- I really want to be the heart chakra, and I think there are some crazy shit happening around this volcano. You know, and even just sleeping in the mountains here just brought up very weird dreams. You mm. you kind of feel very weird around this volcano. But I think the main reason why I think that so many things happening is because of this beautiful colonial shape. You know, as as the Mount Fuji has, and this is Mount Fuji is known for its spirituality and stuff mm. like that. Right. So. My personal favorite example of weirdness around the Snæfellsjökull glacier and volcano is the absurd novel Under the Glacier, written in 1968 by Haldar Laxness, Iceland's Nobel Prize-winning author. The main character of the story, a young man known only as the Emissary of the Bishop, is sent to a town at the base of the glacier to investigate charges that the priest has stopped burying the dead and is generally neglecting his pastoral duties. The Emissary finds much more than he signed up for, encountering housewives who will only let him eat cake and coffee, a group of foreigners in a New Age cult, a mysterious woman who transforms into a fish, and all other kinds of ridiculous characters. The volcano itself is a character in the novel, the source of the strangeness and the poor state of Christianity under the glacier. One particular passage highlights the power of Snæfellsjökull over the imagination. The glacier is illuminated at certain times of day by a special radiance and stands in a golden glow with a powerful aureole of rays. And everything becomes insignificant except it. Then it's as if the mountain is no longer taking part in the history of geology but has become iconic. A remarkable mountain. At night, when the sun is off the mountains, the glacier becomes a tranquil silhouette that rests in itself and breathes upon man and beast the word never, which perhaps means always, come waft of death. Philip tells me about one eruption in Iceland whose effects were felt all over the world, causing trouble for people who had never even heard of Iceland. 
1783 or 1786. I'm sorry, I can't remember. It was a lucky eruption. I think it's still one of the biggest disasters which happened in Iceland. In 1783, fissures opened on either side of the Laki volcano at the edge of Vatnajökull, the largest glacier in Europe. Over eight months, about 42 billion tons of lava and poisonous gases streamed out of the earth, destroying nearly every crop in Iceland, half of the island's livestock, and as much as a quarter of the population. The great clouds of smoke, ash, and poison darkened the sky over Europe causing dangerous environmental side effects as far away as Egypt and North America. Ben Franklin described seeing a constant fog over all Europe and a great part of North America. Another thing is that, like, they, they I think this is just a theory, but um, somebody brought it up that it might trigger the French Revolution because the gases went through Europe, right, by the wind, and it might have something to do with that because when people get a lot of gas in themselves they go crazy you know people get starved you know dying so it's a lot of it's a lot of messed up things so it's, it's at the very least it might trigger some uh, agricultural effects which definitely. can definitely trigger a yeah. revolution yeah i think so you know that's what's what's really fascinating about the volcanoes that like they affect our history and we don't even realize how much you know philip shows me a map of the lucky eruption that may or may not have caused the french revolution the next thing is basically this long skinny people right underneath this. As you can see, um, this is basically the lucky eruption in 1783. Yeah, here you go. So the first guess was right. <laughs> uh, so this is the eruption which basically decreased the Icelandic population about 24%. Uh, this is a map drawn by a Norwegian, um, actually geologist, uh, Admund Helland. And um, basically, um, this was, as you can see, this is from a bird view. He didn't have any helicopter or satellite take a look from above. He was scanning the landscape for years and basically he'd do this beautiful map. Um, I don't really think, yeah, it's a map, but I would call it an artwork, uh, because of, there's so much effort put into it and it just looks so, so, so beautiful. So. I'm going to talk about Andy Warhol. Uh, um, this is a, Andy Warhol is not very famous for his um, uh, for landscape, right? He never. No, no, no. no, no yeah, I've never heard of a, a yeah. He does. Landscape. Yeah, he does a lot of like weird stuff, but he never did the landscape. Um, and um, here we go. You know, we got a, a Vesuvius erupting in front of us right here. Um, he did 26 prints in different scheme of colors. Uh, this artwork is the red combination with this, you know, uh, black and yellow. You can see it. Basically, um, Andy Warhol, why he decided to do this artwork was, uh, I think it was very inspired. He was very fascinated by uh, Vesuvius erupting because Vesuvius got a long history uh, and it, uh, it erupted a couple of times during our, during our history. Um, but he didn't really knew how a volcano erupting kind of looks like. He, he, of course, he knew, you know, of course, he had some ideas. But I think what he really wanted to do is that 
uh, he wanted to apply something what's, 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 what was from, from 80s. And so basically, luckily for him, badly for others, there was an erupting volcano in, uh, in States, Mount St. Helens, right? Mm. So he took a look at it. He took like a, like a smoking volcano, erupting volcano kind of looks like. And he transformed that eruption into the landscape of Vesuvius. So he kind of combined those two artworks. Um, and, um, they created this beautiful, uh, piece of art. Yeah. It's a screen print, obviously. It's, uh, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful Andy World where you can see it straight away. It's Andy World. Iceland's artists and writers have had no shortage of volcanic inspiration. Of the 30 active volcanoes on the island, 13 have erupted since Iceland was settled in the late 800s. In the last 500 years, Icelandic volcanoes have produced one-third of the world's lava flow. The Volcano Museum has a number of fascinating Icelandic drawings, paintings, and prints depicting some of the more memorable eruptions. Yeah, so um, I think what was worth to point out is this beautiful piece of art. Um, I'm sorry about the pronunci- pronunciation, but it's from a guy whose name is Araboe Clausen. Um, he's a, he was born in Sticky Summer. He's a local artist. And um, basically, he drew this, uh, he painted this beautiful eruption of, of Akatla in 1918. And um, it shows a typical Icelandic eruption. Come on, just look at it. It's a subglacial volcano. Uh, you can see the ice, you can see the steam coming out. Um, um, Katla erupted in 1918. Uh, I think he drew it by a, um, by a photograph. Uh, so he kind of didn't see it. I think he just like kind of copied from the from the photograph uh, what he what Gumerson uh, took. Um, so yeah, this is an example of a beautiful Icelandic eruption uh, right here. Um, then right next to it we have a Hekla erupting. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, fish eruption. You can imagine Hekla uh, kind of like this overturned boat, how Harald usually says. Uh, it's got a different, you can see it's got a different, uh, different. Um, it's got a three points of eruption. You can see the smoke, smoke coming up from different, the three different points. This is an oil painting, um, and I don't remember the guy who did it, so I'm going to just read it out here uh, so everybody can know what's going to... No, I can't pronounce this. Eyjörfur. Eyjörfur G. Eyjörfur. I think we've got Eyjörfur 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 Yeah, yeah, Eyjörfur Very nice yeah. Very nice <laughs> So, uh, yeah <laughs> You did the best part It's Nice pronunciation Okay, so yeah This is the uh, Heckler in 1947 so As well, a beautiful Artwork from the locals yeah. In 2010 An Icelandic volcano Once again Created chaos in Europe when ash from the Eyjafjallajökull eruption was thrown several kilometers into the atmosphere and disrupted air travel over Europe for an entire week. No one died in the eruption, but residents of the area around the volcano reported respiratory issues as a result of the ash and smoke. As in the past, artists rushed to capture the sight of lava and smoke pouring from a glacier, this time using digital photography to convey the raw power of the volcano in action. One of the last things Philip shows me in the museum is a drawing of Snæfellsjökull made in 1845 by a Danish artist traveling in Iceland. The drawing shows the glacier as it would have looked when Jules Verne had his protagonist descend into it. But this drawing doesn't look like the Snæfellsjökull I know. The glacier has melted considerably over the last 150 years and is much smaller today. In 2012, the summit of the Snæfell Mountain was ice-free for the first time in recorded history. 
Thanks for joining me on this adventure as I explore Iceland's many museums and get to know the fascinating people who run them. Today's episode was sponsored by Locatify. The songs in this episode are by Seastone. You can find more of Seastone's music, see photos of the museum, and learn more about Iceland's volcanoes on my website, hhethman.com. That's H-H-E-T-H-M-O-N.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of Museums and Strange Places, a visit to the Shark Museum at Bjarnhöp, where one family has been fermenting shark meat for 400 years. My favorite art to come out of Eyjafjallajökull's eruption is a video compilation of foreign news anchors trying to say Eyjafjallajökull. Just think of, hey, you forgot your yogurt. And that's yeah. kind of close. I have forgot my yogurt. Yeah. I forgot my yogurt.